Macroeconomic management of the economy as digitalization accelerates during the COVID-19 crisis is a growing challenge for policymakers globally. In this podcast, ADBI Research Fellow John Byrne discusses the increasing prominence of the digital economy and digital finance and how continued digitalization will affect policies aimed at managing Asia and the Pacific's emerging market economies. The discussion draws upon the new book, Macroeconomic Stabilization in the Digital Age, which Byrne co-edited with David G. Fernandez of the Sim Kiboon Institute for Financial Economics at Singapore Management University. John, thank you for joining Asia's Developing Future. Can you start by explaining some of the new challenges faced by policymakers in the digital age in terms of macroeconomic uncertainty and ensuring stability? The rise of the digital age has created challenges for policymakers around the globe in managing their economies. And these are closely linked with aiming to ensure macroeconomic stability amid uncertainty. Early work on the impact of technological advancement found that macroeconomic management becomes more complex in this environment, given shifting trend productivity and difficulties in estimating potential output. For emerging economies, these policy challenges have been exacerbated by the emergence of digital finance in the aftermath of the global financial crisis, as well as COVID-19. In other words, when many emerging market economies were experiencing large and volatile capital flows, innovations related to payments systems, maturity transformation, and the allocation of capital can hinder macroeconomic stabilization to the extent that they disrupt the efficacy of policy tools used to manage the economy. Against this background, one of the key challenges for policymakers is related to the fact that advances in digital finance have led to a shift in financial intermediation away from traditional banks, with large technology firms increasingly providing financial services, particularly over the past decade. This can be a source of regulatory uncertainty for policymakers, which clearly has implications for both financial and macroeconomic stability. In addition, the so-called non-banks and their involvement in liquidity transformation and leverage lending creates financial vulnerabilities at the systemic level. These vulnerabilities are amplified given the interconnectedness of non-banks with the traditional banking sector. As well as this, competition from the traditional banking sector for deposits and funding may lead to excessive risk-taking. Therefore, while the ongoing diffusion of digital finance into financial intermediation activity can spur economic activity and promote financial inclusion, there may be scope for rising financial fragility and systemic risk. Managing the related uncertainty while also enabling the realization of the benefits of digital transformation is a key policy challenge at the current juncture, where, of course, the pace of digitalization has accelerated, not least due to the pandemic. Can you elaborate on the implications for digitalization for international capital flows? Of course, as I mentioned earlier, emerging market economies have had to deal with large and volatile capital flows in the post-financial crisis period and also in the current COVID-19 period. While these flows can have substantial benefits for economies in terms of growth and development, they can also pose risks to macroeconomic stability if not properly managed. Where capital inflows lead to increases in the volatility of domestic consumption, currency and maturity mismatches, as well as boom-bust cycles and asset prices, achieving macroeconomic stability can be fraught with difficulty. Abrupt capital outflows from EMEs, which can occur during crisis episodes or periods of amplified uncertainty in financial markets, can also be disruptive to macroeconomic stabilization objectives. In these types of environments, new approaches to capital flow management and improving resilience to capital flow shocks become ever more important. 
The onset and growth of fintech and its implications for cross-border capital flows is an issue warranting further consideration in this context. On the one hand, reductions in cross-border transaction costs via digital platforms have helped to improve the efficiency of global value chains. However, on the other hand, the expansion in cross-border capital flow channels in the digital age places additional challenges on authorities in emerging markets in managing capital flows with potentially greater exposure to monetary policy spillovers and negative externalities. How does the situation in Asia and the Pacific compare to other areas of the world? Asia and the Pacific has developed substantially over the past decade or so in terms of utilizing and adopting digitalization to improve efficiency in their economies, particularly in the area of digital payment systems. The region has been particularly adept at reaping benefits from so-called leapfrogging technology using mobile and internet-based solutions. In addition, it is notable that a number of large global technology firms are Asian firms, with consumers also very much accustomed to operating in a digital world. The adoption of mobile and internet technologies throughout the region has benefited the, the economy through enhanced overall financial inclusion and related regional economic development. In line with the broader digital transformation underway in trade, commerce and payment systems, it's also worth noting that governments in Asia and the Pacific have been actively supporting the development of so-called smart cities in recent years. I think that one of the aspects that differentiates Asia and the Pacific from elsewhere as regards digitalization is mindset and openness to shift to newer and more technological driven ways of doing business. This makes the process of transformation much more smooth and facilitates efficiency gains by firms and consumers alike. That said, the shift to digitalization differs across countries in Asia and the Pacific as regards the rate of take-up of technology and diffusion of digital finance. And this is closely linked to differences in the level of development in digital payments infrastructure and connectivity and broadband penetration in the region, with some economies more underdeveloped than others, such as in parts of Southeast Asia. On the whole, however, while Asia and the Pacific is at the forefront in terms of the growth of e-commerce and fintech adoption, it is important for regulators to strike a good balance between enabling the benefits of digitalization on the one hand, while also ensuring that consumers and firms are sufficiently protected. How well are central banks and financial supervisors adjusting? Given the implications of digitalization for monetary policy transmission and financial stability, central banks and financial supervisors have had to respond and are still in the process of doing so. For example, in the digital age, the emergence of private decentralized cryptocurrencies erode the ability of central banks to affect the money supply. This has led to discussions by central banks globally on whether they should issue their own digital currency. While the scale of private cryptocurrencies is not at the moment at a level that would detrimentally affect macroeconomic stability and the conduct of monetary policy, there still remain questions as to how a central bank digital currency would affect traditional bank operations, particularly in times of financial crisis. Some academic research indicates that a central bank digital currency would enhance the effectiveness of monetary policy to the extent that these currencies bear interest. Other research indicates that macroeconomic stability is enhanced when central bank digital currency bears an adjustable interest and that exchange rate fluctuations are more stable in this environment. This latter point is particularly important for central banks in emerging markets that may be subject to bouts of capital flow and exchange rate volatility. 
Overall, I think that central banks and financial supervisors have adjusted to the new environment in an effective manner, although we are currently in an era of rapid technological change, particularly in the area of digital payment systems. In this environment, central banks and financial supervisors need to be wary of possible risks to financial stability, such as those posed by the growth of private cryptocurrencies, as well as by regulatory arbitrage in respect of financial intermediation by non-banks. To wrap things up, what advice do you have for policymakers to address the challenges posed by digitalization moving forward? Going forward, policymakers need to be aware of the increasing prominence of the digital economy and digital finance and seek to understand better how continued digitalization will affect policies aimed at managing the economy. In particular, the effect of traditional fiscal and monetary policies for stabilization purposes might be less potent in an era of ongoing digitalization. This calls for national authorities to be vigilant of the effects of digitalization and to devise and implement additional targeted policies to aid stabilization, for example, aimed at the non-bank sector. Finally, international policy coordination becomes increasingly important in such an environment. This has been Asia's Developing Future, brought to you by the Asian Development Bank Institute in Tokyo. See the show notes for the transcript and related material. For more information about us, please visit adbi.org.